tonight, and uh, we're going to have a great time in the Lord. If you don't know, we have changed some things up about our Wednesday night service. We have booked some power-packed speakers on Wednesday, the, on the first Wednesday night of every month. On the first Wednesday night, we will have an evangelistic throwdown, much like this. This is going to be a, an amazing time. On the second, the third, and the fourth Wednesday nights, we have the Leadership Academy, Unshakable Life Group. Well, just life groups. It won't always be unshakable. But life groups and Driven Student Ministries. And we have opportunities to serve all over the place. And so we're excited to have Pastor Tony Suarez with us um, this Wednesday night. And my apologies. Last week I, I mentioned the Wednesday night, but I failed to say, I guess, the first Wednesday night. <laughs> of the month, which happens to be November the 7th for us right here. And then in, in December the 4th, Dr. David Cooper, pastor of probably the largest church of God, uh, certainly in Georgia, maybe in the denomination, I'm not sure, uh, of the Mount Perrin Church of God in Atlanta, will be right here on December the 4th. We're so excited about it. And then Dr. Marty Baker will be here, pastor of uh, a mega church in Augusta, had the opportunity to take our staff over there a couple of months ago, and then Brother Bruce Deal, the pastor and founder of City of Refuge in College Park, Georgia, one of the most violent, uh, roughest areas of town, where he went to preach at, I don't know, 20 some odd years ago, and God called him to stay. He's been shot at, he's been beat up, he's been uh, car stolen, found people dead in his truck, just on and on. But God blessed him again and again and again. And he's helping dope addicts get off of dope and hookers stop hooking and all of those things. He's doing a tremendous job there. He's partnered with all kinds of like Napa Auto Parts. I can't remember several other big corporations where he's made arrangements where they go through an internship program. They learn. They get a good uh, skill, a good job. They pay them a good wage. They make sure they have reliable transportation. They get them a car. They do all those things so that they don't return back to that life. They're truly making a difference there in the Atlanta area. And that's just some of the things right now that we have through March that we're going to just, we're going to be kicking it. Some of you saw the tent out there and you probably thought that was overflow for the morning service or something. But anyway, uh, we have Christmas trees. I, obviously, we are participating in Buy a Tree, Change a Life this year. And so on the 16th of November, we have 200 Christmas trees that will be cut fresh, that will be delivered here. So, um, And I'm not exactly sure of the dates, but if you'll just keep watching the announcements, you'll be able to pre-order if you want to do that. 85% of those proceeds completely are going to Cambodia orphanages. Um, a pastor friend of mine in Mobile, Alabama, Brother Travis Johnson, has a big heart for that. Our state overseer bought into it, and that's kind of why we're tagging along with it this year. 15% um, will stay actually local here for children here. And, but anyway, you're going to probably buy a tree somewhere. You might as well buy and invest in the kingdom of God and have a beautiful tree this Christmas. So we'll talk more about that. But if you don't know me, I'm Mike Sainz, the pastor of the harbor here, and we are delighted to see you here today. And um, as fate would have it, a few weeks ago, um, I was preaching on uh, failure. That's when LSU had beaten Georgia. And now I am uh, preaching on marital issues. And I offered AJ and Richard $500 to come and take my notes and preach it for me. And I, you know, I was only teasing, but, uh, 
But uh, now I have to deal with marital issues on a night when I probably need marital counseling myself. So anyway, uh, nonetheless, if you're not a football fanatic, you probably don't even know what that's about. But last night, Alabama killed LSU in their own house, 29 to nothing. And uh, I finally, in the third quarter, I just had to turn it off and go to bed. I just, if I wasn't, I was going to have to get up real early. In fact, I had to come early and pray anyway. But, uh, but I want to talk to you about unshakable because we've talked about being tempted and everybody in the sea. When I say unshakable, we're talking about being able to remain unshakable in the storms of life because storms are coming. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, storms are coming. It doesn't make no difference what you think. Storms are coming. Storms of temptation. Brother Richard preached a message. Um, he kicked his thing off on uh, temptation. And then we talked about failure. We talked about lack of purpose. Last week we talked about doubt. These are all storms that we struggle with. Someone says, I don't even know why I exist. I don't know why I live. Uh, that's a storm. Someone says, I have doubts and I don't know how I'm ever going to get over this. That's a storm. Temptation, that's a storm. And so another huge storm that is taking a toll is marital problems, marital issues. And so that is the storm that we want to talk about today. In the 1980s, when I got married, 1984, the stats were that more than 50% of all marriages were ending in divorce. And I, I'm sad to say, but for the most part, that's true inside the church as well as it is outside the church. Now, the good news is that that stat has dropped a little bit, and they say now that it's 42 to 45% of first marriages end in divorce. Now, listen, I know that they say third time's a charm, but l listen to this stat as we go. 60% of second marriages end in divorce. Now, the good news is 40% make it. So, you know, if you're on your second one, 40% chance <laughs> that you're going to make it. The, the third marriage, 73% of third marriages end in divorce. Now, uh, hey, there is good news. 27% is going to make it. Are y'all with me? So I don't know where you're at on the scale there, but I'm just giving you the stats. In the United States... There is one divorce approximately every 36 seconds. That's nearly 2,400 a day, 876,000 in a year. The average length of a first marriage usually lasts about eight years. The probability of a first marriage ending in separation or divorce in the first five years is about 20%, but within the 10 years is 33%. Now, I'm throwing numbers out, and, and you know, uh, I guess that you can find numbers to support anything. If you don't believe that, just look at political polls. On average, a person spends about two years thinking about divorce before they actually pull the trigger on divorce. Are y'all with me? It's getting real quiet, so I'm going to have to get a little help from my amen crew. <laughs> but about three out of every four divorced people will eventually remarry. People wait an average of about three years to remarry if they do remarry, and 6% of divorced couples end up remarrying each other. So think about that. Now, when we think about marriage, we think about a wedding. And as I was reading and studying and trying to, to get my head wrapped around our topic today, I, I come across one author that said we need to put the we back in wedding. 
that we need to put the we back in wedding. Here are some more staggering statistics, and I, I just want to throw a few of these out, and then we'll get going. 75% of people who marry from an affair, in other words, you cheated on somebody and then decided to marry the one you cheated with, 75% of those eventually end in divorce. Why? Because, uh, uh, man, it's going to get real testy right here. But if he cheated on her to be with you, he'll probably cheat on you to be with her. And gender neutral. You know how it is. So I'm just, I'm just throwing this out here. Don't, don't kill the messenger. I'm just a messenger. Now, y'all really buckle your seatbelt real tight. Just go ahead and go through it with me. Just click and then pull them down real tight. One in every five couples have a sexless marriage. That means having sex less than 10 encounters a year. I all of a sudden got the crowd back with me, man. People's eyes lit up. They, son, they are with me right now. Let me just say sex is an integral part of marriage. It is. Corinthian, Paul wrote to the Corinthians said, that is what is due to her and to him and that we are neither one to defraud each other unless we both agree, then come together again, lest Satan tempt you because of your lack of self-control. What is your lack of self-control? Let me just, can I just be real PG real quick? You ain't getting it at home. Somebody is going to catch your eye. Woo. I didn't mean to get all like this, but here we are. So... That's why he said you got to take care of physical needs, spiritual needs, um, sexual needs. All of these things comes with the marriage package. And, and let me just say this real quick. If you do defraud one another, and I ain't never had too many men that I had to counsel, that they, or to counsel with that they were defrauding their wife. I ain't had a whole lot of them. But if you use sex as a pawn or as a tool to get my way, the Bible says it's witchcraft. It's a controlling spirit that says, if you do that, you get this. If you don't do this, you don't get this. I'm just, I'm just telling y'all, that's how it is. And if I am trying to, now, I mean, some of you brothers might be telling your wife, I don't know, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you are using something like that to control one another, that is a spirit of witchcraft. So the Bible says that, that, that we have no part of that, that we are to freely uh, give ourselves because once we joined in holy matrimony, he said, women, you ain't got power over your own body no more. He does. Men, you don't have power over your own body no more. He does. First Corinthians 7. Don't read it while I'm preaching, but just go there later. So more, listen, marriage does more to promote satisfaction than money, than sex, children, according to Wake Forest psychologists. More than friendship, laughter, forgiveness, compatibility, or sex, spouses say that trust is the element that has to be there that is crucial for the marriage. Did you know one in four couples don't even sleep in the same bed? Huh? One in four. Don't even sleep in the same bed. You're headed for trouble. I'm just telling you. <laughs> That's just... 
Now, now listen, less people are getting married now. And this is a concerning stat that hit me. Less people are getting married than they were in the 60s. In the 60s, about 72% of Americans would eventually get married. Now, just barely over 50% say, I'm ever going to get married. Let me give you something else. Cohabitation is on the rise. All of the marriages in 2016, 7% cohabitated prior to marriage. Now, I'm going to give you another stat here. Cohabitation has reached 18 million since 2016, and it's up 29% since 07. Half of those under the age of 35 cohabitate. Now, here's what, another startling thing. Cohabitation is rising most quickly among those 50 years old and up. Farmersonly.com, and I, I don't know what I'm... See, man, I'm glad I already got mine picked out before because I might be out there looking crazy like the rest of y'all. <laughs> Farmers only, gee whiz. A marriage that is successful is going to take work. I don't care what you drive these days, it takes maintenance to keep that vehicle on the road. It takes maintenance. I don't care. Things are going to just need attention. Now, here's the perspective of marriage. It's changed. Nowadays, marriage seems to be viewed as a temporary contract that, you know, we enter into with the best intentions, but we kind of feel like we can get out of it if we don't want, you know, if it ain't going our way, we just slide right on out. And our society has contributed to that feeling because did you know there was a day when they made things to last? There was a day when if you bought something, it was built to last and it'd last you all your life. You remember in the 50s when they built a Chevrolet? Y'all with me? You can hit a light pole and knock the pole down and put a dent about that big in the car. Nowadays, you can hit an ant. And, you know, I mean, you hit a bug and the windshield's gone or something. I mean, that's, it's just, they don't build stuff to last no more. They build it to replace because they know if I can build it so cheap, if I, let me just say it's a trimmer. Uh, or whatever you call it, a weed eater, whatever it is. Uh, the clutch used to be made of something real, and now it's just something plastic that just to get by, to get you about a year so you can buy another one. It's not built to last, it's built to replace. And somehow in our society, we've done marriage the same way. It's not really built to last, it's built, if I get tired of her, get out. If I get tired of him, get out, I'll just find me another one. Now, I need to give you some tools uh, according to staying in keeping with our book, but um, that's just the way it is. The very idea of marriage has been called into question. You know, a few years ago, the Supreme Court, they uh, stuck their head into it. What constitutes marriage? Who can I marry? When can I marry? All this kind of stuff. But here's the truth. Mankind cannot redefine marriage. I don't care what court they are because God is the one that defined marriage to start with, and he's the only one that could redefine it. He said it's between a man and a woman, and that's what it is, period. Now, so... With this perspective in mind and marriage and all the change and all the questions, it's harder and harder and harder. We're under attack. We really have to protect our marriage. We, but it's harder and harder to do that. Did you know uh, right now uh, Americans work 11 hours more per week than they did 20 years ago? 11 hours more. And did you know, there was a time when most of the women kind of stayed home, and I don't know if it's the women's lib movement or just inflation or whatever it is, and we had to have more money. But nowadays we have him working, we have her working, and sometimes he's working two jobs and she's working two jobs, and they just sort of pass every now and then. Wow. 
Intimacy is just absolutely not there. We ain't got no time for that. But all of a sudden, somebody passed by at work. Mm? And they winked their eye. And all of a sudden, man, what was them feelings that come back on me? I used to feel that for my husband or my wife. But I ain't even seen them because we, we just passed this. Shoo, shoo. We got to pay the car payment. We got to pay this. We got to keep up with the Joneses. We got to live here. We got to live that and drive this and drive that. Let me tell you this. I'd rather live in a cheese box and be happy in my marriage than I had live in Osprey Cove or Laurel or, or wherever else. And I'm not knocking anybody that does. I mean, that's great. But I would rather ride a bicycle to work than I had that new truck I have. I, if it means throwing away everything God's given me. I, you know, that's what Solomon said. God, don't give me so much that I forget you. But don't give me so little that I have to steal. That's what he's saying. Help me to be content with what I have. So I want to give you some tools because our marriages are under attack. And I want to give you some tools if I can to help you. The first tool I want to give you, I wish I'd have brought it with me. I could have took a big bin clock, you know, um, I used to have one, have one of them to wake up by, man, because it had the two bells on the top, man, and when that thing went off, you'd jump through the ceiling. You just had to make sure you wound it up, you know. But that big Ben clock, are you with me? And uh, um, an alarm clock to remind you to schedule time for each other. Now, when you go to life group this week, there's going to be some serious things to talk about in this now. Yeah, you better say it. Man, that old Nelson then got serious about scheduling things. So anyway, I'm going to let y'all go to life group to figure that out. But he scheduled time for each other. Listen, I know that you got to be mom and dad. I know we got to go to the, to the parades with them. And I know we got to go to the ball games and we got to go to this and that and the other. But if we're so busy being mama and daddy that we're never lovers anymore. Y'all hear how quiet it got? Because you know, I just told you the truth. Because of the three and four jobs that you're working and she's working and he's working and then this one's in that sport and that one's in this sport and we're ever gone, 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 gone and we never have time to be with each other. Never is there a day where you think about Friday night and taking her out and your heart just sort of jumps and says, whoo, man, I got to stop by and get me some new cologne. Whoo, child, I got to stop by and get some candies or something. You never, ever, ever think about each other again in that light because we got to get these kids, man. We got three of them now. We got to get them to school. They got to make the dean's list. They got to be pro at this and that and the other. And we spend our entire life. Listen, I cannot tell you how many times I have talked with parents who are empty nesters, who their children grew up and went to college. And when they went away, mom and daddy looked at each other and said, I don't know you no more. Because they lived through their children, and that's all they did. Hey, I lo nobody loves their children more than me, man. I got four of them. I love them all. My grandchildren, I got eight of them. They all live within six miles of me. I love it. But it's still got to be time for me and Kelly. Are you with me? Even if Alabama did win. <laughs> anyway, so when, you see, we have got to... Uh, we got to have an alarm clock to remind us to say, hey, 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 your marriage is more important than that job. Your marriage is more important than that relationship with this person. Your marriage is more important than hunting. Your marriage is more important than racing or golfing or jumping or whatever it is you do. It's more important. So uh, 
But we look at each other and we're not careful. The next thing our spouse says, I don't know you anymore. The number one gift, you can write this one down, the number one gift that you can give your spouse is quality time. The number one gift that you can give them is quality time. The trouble is we're working more and more hours to try to make ends meet. We've got to make this bill. We, we've got to make this deadline. And if we're not careful, I've had people, I, I've had wonderful, wonderful people sit in my office and say, Pastor, we just don't have time to take any time off together. We don't have time to go. I said, well, how much is your marriage worth? Okay. Hello. If we stand here in three more months and it's gone, was it worth not taking that three days or whatever or that two days or whatever it is? You might just decide to just show up after work one day and you've already made arrangements for the next three days with the boss. Somebody's covering for you or whatever it is and you tell your wife or your husband, get ready, we're going. Don't worry about where, we're just going. Are y'all with me? That's good. So the next tool I want to give you not only is an alarm clock, but I'm going to give you some rose-colored glasses. John Connolly used to sing. Now, I've dated myself now because some of y'all don't know John Connolly, but John Connolly used to sing a song about these rose-colored glasses that I'm looking through. Show only the beauty, uh, but they hide all the truth. <laughs> Listen, there may be some hard situations in your life. We are supposed to look at each other and see the best in each other. All of us have got warts. All of us have got blemishes. All of us have got shortcomings and things. But let me tell you, you know what you do? Here's what they tell me a motorcyclist does and a skydiver. Whatever you focus on, that's what you gravitate toward. On a motorcycle, if you see a wreck and whatever, and you're looking, you keep looking, keep looking, keep looking, you're part of the pileup. Seen skydivers land right into the midst of a fence. When there was a 10-acre field right here, they could have landed there. But whatever you choose to focus on, so use some rose-colored glasses and look at your spouse and find the best things about her, the best things about him, and begin to concentrate on those things. And listen, because when you do that, something unique will happen. The way you see people is the way you treat people, and the way you treat people is the way they become. So you can actually begin to shape and form and mold your spouse. Wow. Simply by treating them in the best way. So here's what Song of Solomon said. Now, Song of Solomon, you can get on out there. But in Song Song of Solomon chapter 2, he says, I am a rose of Sharon, uh, or she, uh, a lily of valleys, like a lily among thorns is my darling among the young women. That's the way he sees her. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade. That's what she's saying about him. And his fruit is sweet to my taste. I tell you now, you, you get on out there with Song of Solomon now. You, you got to be careful. I mean, he'll say some things on out there like, Rejoice with the wife of thy youth and let her breast satisfy thee at all times. Y'all ain't know he said that. I know some of y'all ain't never read the Bible. So I'm fixing to pick one up at the Connection Center. Yes, Lord. Alarm clock, you got to have that. You need some rose-colored glasses. And then we need a white flag. LSU raised it last night. 
A white flag simply means I surrender. It just said, uh, now listen, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, um, sometimes it's better just to be happy than to be right. Y'all know who you are. Some of you ain't never going to admit you wrong, ever. Huh? So brothers and sisters, if you've got that kind of spouse, just go ahead and be happy because you ain't never going to be right. <laughs> Y'all with me? So sometimes it's better to just to be happy. But you know what? Sometimes... Y'all been there. I've been there. There's answers every now and then. You just stand on something and say, I'm right about this one. (laughs) Y'all, it's getting quiet, but some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I've done that. uh, And and you've done that as well. But listen, there are times we might as well just, just suck it up and say, you know what? Let me just raise the white flag of surrender because this one here ain't worth fighting the rest of the week over. This one here ain't worth, you know, 2 Timothy 2 and 14 says, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. If it's of no value and only ruins those who listen, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Sometimes it's better just to say, I'm out. Just walking away from it. Um, So now what's this? Humility has got a lot to do with being right because if you are humble... You don't feel like you have to be right every single time. Or win every single argument. Here's what the Bible said. Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. It is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. So so you need an alarm clock. You need some rose-colored glasses and a white flag. I should have brought all of them. I should have brought them. Man, anyway, and then you need a bottle of repellent. Now, that's a little bit difficult to me. Y'all ever sprayed that stuff on you, that DEET? Man, it makes me feel like I'm in a pressure cooker. I spray that stuff on me, it's like I'm cooking from the inside. I almost would rather have the mosquitoes than I had uh, the way it makes me feel. I, I just don't know. But anyway, a bottle of repellent. What does repellent do? It repels. It, it, uh, it keeps them away. It puts off some sort of chemical or some sort of odor that they, they don't like. They can't, you know, it, it might be that you put snake away around your house because you don't want to step out and step on one. Are y'all with me? Or maybe it's mosquito spray or gnat spray or whatever it is. But no one, no one stands at the altar to get married planning to have an affair. No one stands at the altar planning to get addicted to pornography or to drugs or meth, whatever it is. Nobody stands there to say, I do, thinking, well, you know, next week I'm going to get hooked on meth. You know, next week I'm going to do this or that. Nobody thinks about that, but those things happen every day. Now, Brother Richard preached the first message on temptation, and I, I was really uh, pleased with a great illustration, and I hope I get it as close as I can to what he said. But he talked about bringing somebody over to, to your home to eat. And he said, while sitting there at the table, uh, all of a sudden, a roach comes out on the wall. 
And of course, the homeowner, you know, she's all beside herself and she runs over there with a shoe or something and wham, and kills the roach. But how do you feel about eating now? And his question and the crux of it was, what was the roach doing in the house to start with? Because if there had been repellent, if there had been extermination, if there had been protection, if there had been spray around and about, he wouldn't have been there to start with, to come peeking out at your friend when they come to eat with you. And so repellent is that that you and I do to make sure that he's not there to start with so that we do everything we can that he don't rear his ugly head because it will be at the most inopportune time, I promise you. Right? That's just how it is. And so uh, here's what 1 Corinthians 10 says. The things that happened to them as examples, they were written down. This is verse 11. And warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think that you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has taken you but except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted above what you can bear. But with every, when you're tempted, he'll also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And so um, what I need you to know is if you don't exterminate, if you don't put the repellent out, you're going to be in trouble. Because they are going to show up. The bugs, they just come to get out of the cold. They just come to get out of the wet. They just come to hang out. Uh, you know, they come to nibble on what they can nibble on, so to speak. If you're not careful in your own marriage, unbeknownst to you, you don't mean it, but you just didn't put nothing out. You didn't put nothing out. If you're not careful, it'll slip right up on you and you'll think everything is fine. It's hunky-dory. Everything's great. Here's what the Bible said. 1 Corinthians 6 and 18. Flee from sexual immorality and all other, all other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever commits sexual sins, he said, they sin against their own body. So flee temptation. Run away from it. Don't go near it. Safeguard yourself. Safeguard yourself. I almost put a solid door in my office. The one without the light, the window. And then it dawned on me. I said, you know, I, that's not a good thing. Because if people need to come by there and see in there, there's very few times. There, there's a curtain there. There's very few times. There may be a, a private meeting that's, that requires that. But it is very rare. Very rare. Why? Because I don't need to put myself in a spot or in a position to compromise. And it is so easily done. It is so easy. Nobody intends to. You don't go to work thinking, I'm going to do this. But all of a sudden, something's happened at home. Things are bad at home. And somebody just gives you a little bit of attention that you didn't get at home. And it seems to be so pure and so innocent. But before you know it, you're eating out of the devil's hand. It's almost like I've told you, I've used this illustration hundreds of times where a fisherman, he throws that lure and that bass is laying up under that log and man, that lure comes by and it's swimming. Oh, it looks so good. It looks just, I mean, it looks like a lizard or whatever it is, salamander, whatever. But what that bass don't know, I mean, they even sprayed the thing so he smells like one. 
So he, no old, old bass is laying there. Man, he sure looks like it. He wiggles like it. Uh, smells like it, looks like it, acts like it. And he runs out from under that log and grabs hold of that. And he realizes, oh, ha, oh, oh, ha, this don't really taste like a salamander. And about that time, there's a pull from the other end. And there's somebody that has just now set the hook. It's lodged deep into his mouth and he tries to kick it out and spit it out. But it's a barb on it and it won't go backwards. And he's hooked and now he is drugged where he does not want to go. And he's pulled up out of his environment where he can thrive and live. And they take the hook out and drop him into the live well. Are you with me? It's so easy to get beside ourselves and let our marriage slip. You got to have that bottle of repellent to, to flee from it. Listen, no affair is ever worth it. I've never had one person come to me and say, I really, you know, listen, sin is fun. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's a season and it changes. I don't care how good she looks or how good he looks and how they talk to you and how they treat you, all of that stuff. Nobody's ever come back to me and said, man, I'm so glad I cheated on my wife. I'm so glad I cheated on my husband. My, my, my life is just so much better. I've never had one person ever come back and say that, ever. Well, you'll either love me or hate me after this, but it doesn't matter. I'm not working for you. So he says, the last, the last thing I want to give you, the last tool is this. You've got to have a compass and a map. A compass and a map. That's simply this. A compass is so that you can find which way is north. To the best of my knowledge, it's that way. Y'all with me? North. Uh, so which, uh, a compass, and, and what is it that's going to guide you? You got to pray. You got to pray. You need to pray together. You need to go to church. You need to go to church together. Huh? I, I mean, listen, I, I talk to couples all the time. You know, the Bible tells us um, not to be unequally yoked with one another. That means you believe in two different gods, so to speak. You, you, you marry a Buddhist and you're a Christian. That ain't going to work. You should never do that. It ain't going to work. But you've got to set yourself a, a schedule and say, I'm going to pray together. I'm going to go to the house of God. You've got to do that. You've got to go to the house of God. Listen, I would say something else. Nowadays, the way things are, you need to get involved in a group together. A small group somewhere. Amen. You do. Um, being in the house of God. Listen, because we do what's important. We do. It's important you go to work in the morning. I guarantee you're going to be there. And there'll be people today that will miss church because, they, well, I had a little bit of headache. In the morning, they're going to work because they're going to get paid Thursday. And if they don't go to work, they ain't going to get paid. And so they'll just take two Tylenol and go on. But church is a little different. And sometimes we allow our kids to see that. And, and if we're not careful, we let them say, well, I don't know about going to church. I don't really want to go to church. Listen, it's not their choice. Unless they're paying the bills and they're grown. It's not their choice, mom and daddy. Please be mama and daddy. Be mama and daddy. As long as you're here, you're going to go to church. That's not an option. Um, so the alarm clock, the rose-colored glasses, these white flag, the repellent, and this compass. Here's what the Lord said. A new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And if you're here today and your marriage, I don't know if your marriage is in trouble or if you just need maintenance.
But I can promise you this. There ain't nothing wrong with needing maintenance. Every vehicle has got to have maintenance at a certain time. Don't wait until you start having engine lights come on in your marriage before you see about it. Huh? There's things you've got to do regularly. And if you wait till it won't run no more, till it won't crank no more, you're in trouble. You're so far gone then. But if you just do some preventive maintenance, do some checkups. So I want to ask you here, if, if while heads are bowed with me, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I really need God in my marriage right now. I'm really struggling with some issues. Can I just see your hand? Thank you for your honesty. Several hands. I want to pray for you, Father, in the name of Jesus. For these hands that went up right now, Lord, that says my marriage is in trouble. I'm on the rocks. I pray for them right now, God. There's, I, I can't physically do it, but you can. Lord, if they're willing, Lord, speak to them and deal with them. God, I pray that you would help them to understand they've got to take time for each other. They've got to see the best in each other. They got to know when to fight, when to raise the white flag and just say it's not, this ain't worth it. They got to use that repellent to, to, to repel the things that are coming against them. It might be a friend that you just got to quit hanging out with. It might be a place that you just got to quit going to. Uh, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, repel that. Pray and believe God. Then you need that compass and that map. To know the direction to go. So if you're here right now and you you just want to do a little maintenance, can I see your hand? Lord, help me do some maintenance on my marriage. Lord, I pray for these right now. God, whatever it takes, Lord, if it if it's just clearing the calendar for a day or two or three. And saying, we're just going to take a little time together. Lord, if whatever it is, maintenance-wise, it needs to go on in their life. If they need to see the best in each other, help them to put on those rose-colored glasses and not just see the downfalls, but see the good, good things. Help them, Lord, to know when to speak up and when to shut up. Help them to raise that white flag, Lord, and surrender when they need to instead of making things worse. I pray, God, that that alarm clock would go off and they would understand we have to take time for each other. Can't just be mom and dad all the time. We've got to be husband and wife as well. I pray, God, for these today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated as our host is.